The Hustle Share podcast is brought to you by Pod Machine, the simplest way to grow and edit your podcast. Sign up now at podmachine.com and use the code HUSTLESHARE to get one free edit. You know, marshal people around. Um, but kind of getting back to that quote, it's kind of the cost of bringing in someone who you shouldn't have far outweighs the cost of missing out on someone who you should have brought in. So if there's even a bit of a doubt, we would just say, sorry, you know, we're going to pass. Now, we probably missed out on a few good people. Welcome to Hustle Share, the podcast that features the daily grinds of unique hustlers around the world to show not our differences, but that our hustles are very much alike. Now here's your host, Ronster Beithyong. Welcome to the latest episode of the Share Podcast. We finally got here after years and years and years. So I'd say that's why I said three years because three years in, we finally get to this special episode. We're at our two hundredth episode finally, and of course, we're not just gonna do a two hundredth episode for nothing. I've been trying to brew this up for the longest time, and finally, we got the big boys. That are gonna literally tell us it's go time for the newest bank, the newest uh, digital bank in the Philippines that is set to rock. And you're gonna hear it first on Hustle Share. So let's welcome to the show, Mr. Nate Clark and Abbott Tino of Go Time. Whoop, whoop. Welcome to the show, guys. Ron, Ron, I have to be rude. I was just. Thinking about this on the way here, uh-huh. but, uh, you have to re- redo that with Nathaniel because okay. um, my mom might listen to this, okay. and, I, I, and I don't want her to send her happy. I'm uh, just <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm sorry, Mama Clark, my bad. <laughs> if I didn't get the whole uh, thing, but again, thank you so much, guys, and it's such an honor. 200th episode, and for the first time ever, we're literally gonna pop the cherry. And it's go time. But before I get carried away, I need to ask you the million dollar question. Nate and Abbott, what's your hustle? Um, yeah, I would say my hustle is, is bank building. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm part of the, the founding team of Time Group. We've built four banks from scratch in the last four years. First two for someone else. Um, the third one was Time Bank in South Africa, and now the fourth and most important we're talking about today is Go Time. So I think some of the folks on your podcast would call themselves serial entrepreneurs. I'm more of a, a serial bank builder. That is amazing. <laughs> again, one bank is already hard, but you've done that several times. But again, this is not a fluke. But before we even talk about Go Time, I need you to buckle up because we really need to always go back into the multiverse. And go to your origin story. All right. Because I need to ask you to buckle up and because we're gonna have to ride the hustle share time machine. All right, again, uh, we go always before you become a bank builder or you become a serial entrepreneur or founder, there's always an origin story. So we started out with you. Uh, Nate, but I want to start first with Abbott, real quick. Okay, Abbott, you are the industry veteran uh, who's been here, done this so many times, right? Be, what was what was it like 
hustling in in the Philippines and your early influences in hustling because again you've been you've done this time and time again but let's start at the origin story did you have early influences like your parents and whatnot that you've seen that did expose you to hustling here since we're going way back <laughs> let me then start with uh, this statement I never never in my wildest dreams thought of myself becoming a banker wow. now we're officially called bankers right <laughs> bankers um, but you know my the, my earliest influence was really my dad in fact um, he, he was my uh, my example my my I, I went into uh, as I was getting into university I uh, I started off with uh, a delusion of grandeur of becoming a chemical engineer oh. in fact oh <laughs> wow so so connected to banking right <laughs> but then again but then I guess um, I like quoting Steve Jobs. I think he was the one who said that um, it's difficult to connect the dots uh, when you're looking forward, but easier when you're looking backward. And this is one of those dots. Um, That that stint of mine, uh, trying trying on that hat precise of becoming a chemical engineer, really taught me a lot of the, much of the discipline of um, logic, um, process, methods, etc., uh, but like I said, it was a delusion. I found myself uh, actually uh, uh, being drawn more to uh, a, a role where I would interact with a lot of people. But, uh, I ended up in uh, a hotel and restaurant administration. Wow. Taking that discipline, bringing it into HRA, uh, uh, and right. then realizing, hey, I have the aptitude for this. I've got the personality for it. So right. uh, th- th- that's where it all started. Uh, those were two of the most important dots. And then uh, that that led to many more dots that uh, that um, helped, you know, um, sew those two disciplines together. Uh, nice. And, um, coming, uh, uh, dealing with with uh, any anywhere from telco to right. uh, logistics, mm-hmm. operations, sales, etc., uh, bringing me back to this this particular dot. <laughs> it goes full circle, but I, I just want to again comment on that a little bit because those are two very powerful uh, first steps, right? Because as an engineer, you're technically trained to solve problems. That's what engineers do. They 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 solve problems. And then at the end of the day, you add that up with a with HRA, HRM, whatever you call that. That's people skills and solving problems. Those are two dynamics that if you blend them together, you technically do that. And you mentioned that again, it's a lot of stops. So I'll just breeze through this really quickly because this will take a whole new episode. <laughs> we just <laughs> we still gotta go with Nate's hustle too. But a couple of things that you 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 started out. You did the the first foray was sales. You did account executive with APL. You did national sales manager with FedEx, then smart, and then uh, everything else. I've seen this before in this in this podcast where it is a lifelong gift. It's a gift that keeps on giving when one of your very first few hustles is sales because it builds grit in you. What was that like walking through that, that journey over through the years of how sales became the lifeblood of your hustle? Two things. Two things I take. I always take back from that career in sales. Number one, I was very, very fortunate in my sales journey to have 
mentors who were disciplined in their approach. They showed me a science to sales. Exactly. All the while coming into it, I, I thought it was just the gift of gab. No, it's no. not. No, 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 right? There's a science to, to exactly. reading a person, being able to communicate to that person effectively. Yeah, so I was very fortunate to have th- those kind of mentors. Um, the, the second part of it is, oh, I realized that uh, I could, I learned how to accept warmth from people and give back that warmth. Um, the biggest, one of the biggest things you, you get to do in sales is build a relationship, right? Um, that relationship uh, gets stronger over a period of time as you, as you call on that particular client over and over. Um, you, you, you cement that relationship and then turn that into a matter, turn that into trust. I, uh, that, that made me successful in sales. Now, I, I started out in, in, um, in a, Consumer uh, consumer company. In fact, selling uh, wines and liquor, uh, wow. selling groceries and confectionaries. I moved to account management of larger uh, larger groups in America uh, in American present lines and and in FedEx. So yeah. you could say it was the whole range of sales from from on ground all the way to large relationship uh, management. That 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 um, experience taught me all of those things that. That I bring with me now. Got it. Last question before we uh, go to Nate. So again, this journey plowed through and put you through so many places. But there's one thing that really um, put you in prep for this. Because after this, you then did Davi and you did Robinson's back. But I want to zero in on this experience. You were the CEO of Gcash for a while. 2016 to 2019. Mm-hmm. 2016 to 2019 Gcash is not the Gcash that we know of now. Right? Who knows QR codes back then? Right? <laughs> Gcash back then, and I, I remember, I'll just quote the uh, Ernest back then when, we, when I've had him on the 99th episode uh, of, of Hustle Share, where Gcash is a perfect example of a product that was too early for its time, but just managed to stay alive for a long time until the perfect timing happened. But walk me through your experience in running Gcash back then when the pandemic wasn't it yet. Oh, kasalanan ni Anian. Kasalanan ni Ernest yun. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sabi niya, Abit, it's your turn. <laughs> no, um, um, so, how did I get into, into Gcash? No? Uh, right. in that, I was with Globe for about nine years. Right. Uh, part of a Part of an executive development uh, uh, class, if, uh, if, if you want to call it that, and and they were developing talent or developing leadership that would eventually take on these roles. When I took mm-hmm. over in 2016, uh, Gcash was a tiny little group within the large, large, large uh, business yeah. that was Globe. It was a small group buried in a, a large telco. Okay. Uh, the objective back then was really to spin it out and um, and uh, uh, take it to the next step. Uh, Telco was a vehicle to connect. Right. Um, Gcash was a vehicle to give to, to uh, how do you say this to, to reach the people for uh, financial inclusion, get right. them to to experience what it what it was. Um, right. When I joined. It was 
gosh, uh, so small uh, that we often joke that the the largest population of GCash users were actually Globe employees. <laughs> <laughs> that was your currency, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when when I left, it, it was uh, it was at twenty million already, Ron. Wow! And uh, the the pandemic was the onus, I guess, to, to make right. it even uh, bigger. But we did lay the groundwork for it. Okay. Uh, we set the the principles around. Hey, we, let's the advocacy and the mandate of the BSP for financial inclusion, uh, or their mandate of twenty twenty. That was twenty percent electronic by the year twenty twenty. Right. It was some some sort of a north star for us as well. You know, it, it became a goal of hey, let, let, let's get all of these Filipinos on board. Right. We've got the we've got the tool for it. Uh, I think it's about time. Um, that's that's where it all started. Uh, we 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 took a look at what are some of the pain points uh, uh, along the way, right? Uh, and then saw that hey, Filipinos are are. Uh, naturally inquisitive mm-hmm. uh, they want to do something uh, uh they, they want to do something related to uh, their most uh their closest uh, friend the, the right uh, right right so uh that, that's that's where it all started got it all right now let's go to nate all right just you again i'm the serial bank Builder again, who and also aka the surfer who has made waves in the global fintech space. Again, imagine you wait, you surf your way from territory to territory, making amazing banks uh, as we uh, do it. But I want to understand, Nate, from from your point of view, what was it like growing up, and what was your very first few hustles that you remember doing? Yeah, I think early on, my hustle—I was the eldest of three. Um, Our kuya. That's what you call it. Kuya. Oldest kuya. brother. Yes. There you yes. go. Um, but our hustle, all three of our hustles is actually my dad and mom's hustle. Um, mm. he, he had a small construction company that he built. Um, so it's a family business. So he actually immigrated from England, uh, okay. picked up carpentry, started that. So I think okay. my weekends and summers were always, you know, sweeping the, 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 the building site, loading lumber. Um, wow. But, but I think that actually helped shape, I guess, how I saw the world and defined success. Um, I think my dad in particular, you know, similar to, to Abed, mm-hmm. defined that in that, you know, he, my dad was a, to go further back in, in his story, he was, a bit, he was a university dropout, a bit of a hippie, you know, ended up with a couple of friends sailing a wealthy guy's boat from England to the U.S. And that's how he ended up there. So he's a bit of a, and I would say it's fair to say he's, has a, a strong anti-establishment kind of a, a bone in him. So if I came home and said, "Hey, Dad, I've you know landed a job at IBM," right, he wouldn't have a big smile, you know. I mean, <laughs> as a team, you know, if you if you kind of earn your own bucks, you hustle, you own your own thing. Right. That's kind of so. I think that so even though I started out kind of in the more corporate world, yeah. um, it always had that as an end state. That kind of that helped shape my definition of success, I guess, as that entrepreneurial side. That's amazing, and I want to understand. So, first few hustles before we ended up in obviously uh, uh, Deloitte, right? Where the world of consultancy just changes your whole perspective. I've, <laughs> I've seen this happen to so many startup people here. But walk me through the first building blocks of hustling that you did as a in your in your career, right? And what are those things that you learned along the way? Yeah, 
in my, I pretty much after college ended right up in consulting. And I think that was a gift in many ways, managing consulting, because, you know, very similar to, I think, starting a new business, you're thrown onto new projects where you don't have a lot of context. You have to, you have to get really good at learning fast. Yes. And also you have to be quite brave, right? Because you're thrown in front of clients. You have to solve mm-hmm. problems where you might not have deep industry expertise and you have to do a bit of hustling. Um, so, so that really kind of, I would say, laid my basic groundwork or the toolkit gotcha. um, to, to build a business. But the biggest thing that Deloitte delivered, and it's actually not commonly told story, but time was actually born, incubated. It was out of Deloitte. It was, it was really? actually a Deloitte project. How, 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 how did that happen? Yeah. So, um, yeah, so going back, I kind of spent my first five years at Deloitte on domestic projects um in the u.s so all u.s based and in literally in one year i went from doing i would say typical management consulting projects in the u.s to kind of being part of the founding team of a digital bank in south africa which i, I never stepped foot in africa <laughs> and um it was just kind of it's actually three unique very lucky events that kind of happened okay. somewhat in a row you know i you know, as I said, I kind of longer term wanted to do something on my own um, or in an entrepreneurial environment. Uh, but I never knew exactly what my, like, what, what was the passion? What was the big thing? But I, I did know that there were bigger problems to solve outside of the U.S. that I always found more exciting. Um, and I was at this conference run by State Department in D.C., someone from M-Pesa, which is kind of the first successful e-wallet in the world in Kenya. Mm-hmm. Founders are presenting that mobile money. And I had never even heard of this thing. And they talked right. about how in Kenya went from like 5% people were had financial service to like 55% in like three years. And I was like, kind of blew my mind. I was like, okay, that's right. what I want to do in my life. <laughs> wow. Um, and then kind of hustled my way onto a project in East Africa. Um, it was mobile. It was actually mobile healthcare, not even mobile payments. Um, but I oh. figured right region, right category. And then kind of my, the second stroke of luck was... When I was flying back one time from Dar es Salaam, Tanzania to DC, okay. there was a long layover in Dubai. So okay. I joined this conference in, on mobile money there. I asked a question. At lunch, this guy randomly came up to me and said, Hey, you heard you're from Deloitte. I said, Yeah. He said, They're doing this big mobile money project with a teleco in South Africa. You need to go check it out. Um, <laughs> and I kind of, you know, I had to do a bit of hustling with my partner at the time in DC to let me go there and do a bit of pro bono work to learn. Wow. Um, and then, you know, end up on the team, projects going well, Deloitte is incubating a digital bank for the biggest telco in Africa. Um, very similar to how Gcash did. Right, right. Um, Globe did Gcash. Then project goes well, we launch. I'm actually, I get extended by six months. I'm kind of in heaven, right? Um, <laughs> I'm actually driving all of my stuff from Washington, D.C. To my okay. parents' house in Boston to leave it there. So I've moved out of my apartment and I moved to South Africa for six months. And I get, I get this call and they said, um, we have an issue. They said, you know, the partner bank we're launching with in South Africa, Deloitte's, uh, their, their parent bank is okay. audited by Deloitte in the U.S. And, the US, and Deloitte has decided that we cannot continue the project. And Ooh. 30 days wrap up. And I was totally bummed, obviously. Oh Flew my out God. there for the last few weeks. But then... As that month unfolded, we were, the, the, the telco said, well, we can't launch without you guys. Um, so, you know, there's an opportunity here. So then 15 of us uh, decided to create time. 
to essentially help MTN launch MTN Mobile Money. And yeah, I guess yeah, I was the token American on that team, and the rest is history. <laughs> that's am- that's amazing. And I remember one specific uh, hustle, and it's your colleague Jojo Malolos who had a similar journey before. Yeah, he got exposed that hey, this mobile wallet worked in this part of the world, and blah blah blah. How can how how come we can't do it here? And he's done it. I think he did it for the one in Vietnam or Cambodia. I forgot. Sorry. Cambodia. Don't kill me. Cambodia. Okay. Oh, there. Cambodia. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Because Jojo <laughs> will kill me. He'll punch me in the face. If he's just like wrong country, Ron. Right? Um, but again, this is something, there's, there's a pattern here that there it can be done. And with the right circumstances, with the right market and the right go-to market also, it can thrive. Of course, timing is, you'll never be able to predict timing because everybody thinks it's the right time until it's not the right time yet. Yeah. Right. But well, I, I just want to zoom in on the exact launch of time in South Africa. Right. Despite all this first few bumps, right. How did, what were the things that, uh, that, that fell into place when you guys, launch it and what are those hurdles that you had to overcome because that would be the blueprint of how time will then be done across the world yeah i would say i kind of describe the first year as a mix of euphoria because like wow you know customers are actually onboarding faster than excel says so it's just like (laughs) that's quite an amazing feeling Mm -hmm. um but then also chaos and panic (laughs) right Uh, (laughs) startup life Everyday journey. There you go. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the biggest challenge, you know, I, you know, I think we're going to have different challenges here. If I predict, but the biggest challenges we had in South Africa was actually around. So we haven't got into it yet, but our twist go time and time on digital banking is it's a combination of physical and digital. Right? Mm. So there's a large segment of the population um, that is actually not comfortable or unable because they don't have a smartphone or uh, mm. the kind of education or trust that will go a pure digital account opening. Um, so, so we do that hybrid model. And the way we execute that hybrid model is we convert retail stores, in particular supermarkets. Um, so when you walk into a Robinson supermarket a couple months from now, mm. you'll be greeted by a, uh, an ambassador. We call there an you ambassador. go. They'll kind of promote the product a bit. They'll walk you over to what we have is uh, the digital kiosk, time digital kiosk. And that kiosk enables you through biometrics um, to onboard the account in under five minutes without a phone. Wow. High, high quality camera, fingerprint. Um, and then issue you in real time a Visa and BankNet enabled debit card. So it prints out. What? That's amazing. On. So you're going to have that. And then you can walk to the, the any of the cash registers and you deposit withdrawals, do your right. shopping. It's it's integrated into the loyalty program. So okay. that proposition blueprint in South Africa we're taking here, but it's going to be on steroids here. Absolutely. But that kiosk is actually was the biggest challenge for us in South Africa. We had never right. done this before. And compared to where we are now, I would say we have a much more industrialized kiosk. Right. It was a bit of a, you know, we took Abit to South Africa to visit. It was a bit of a Sticky tape and and <laughs> it was it was a you know a kiosk with a Samsung tablet put into it, just the one that you buy off the right, off right, the with a a card printer that was supposed to sit on a tabletop, not be into a machine. Okay. So I would say our biggest challenge in the first three months was those things were 
binning too much. They weren't coming out there getting stuck. I mean, we even had one ambassador. I hope the South African regulators aren't listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> we even had some one, one ambassador who had figured out to you know how to stick a ruler in the back when it was jammed and, and unjam it. Um, <laughs> hey, they weren't. Let me poke this thing out. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> but obviously, over time, we kind of industrialized, right, right, and, and learned from that. But I would say that was the the biggest bump in, in the road. Got it. But uh, last question before we take our first break. So South Africa, that was the blueprint. And again, you said it's going to be done here in steroids, but you've done a couple more uh, stops, specifically in, in Southeast Asia with Indonesia, right? Uh, which is, again, we always oversimplify it. We look alike, but there, the Indonesia and the Philippines are totally different markets. I've learned this the hard way because I thought, again, being the Filipino that I am, just naive, I'll go to the Philippines and then, hey, half of the words in Bahasa are pretty much like the same in Tagalog. Gulay is gulay, kanan is kanan, all these things, but it's totally different. What were those challenges and what are the things that you had to relearn and unlearn when you scaled time across other countries, specifically in Southeast Asia, like in Indonesia? Yeah. So, so Indonesia was one of those ones where it wasn't our, we were kind of doing it as a service to another bank, right? It really wasn't our brand. So a little bit different, but funny enough, the, 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 the challenges there, because we had already had a bit of a track record and that kiosk thing had stabilized, right. um, we rolled out the same solution there. It was less technical, but it was actually lots of different regulatory challenges. Mm. So in Indonesia, for example, at the time, um, you couldn't do a fully digital onboarding like there was in South Africa or the Philippines. So we actually, it was a, it was a paperless process at the kiosk, okay. but this ambassador needed to like sign off on the account opening. And so I think that, that was, that whole thing was quite complex and, right, right. and the regulator, the regulation was actually part of the biggest challenge there. Even importing devices in the Philippines, that sounds, sorry, Indonesia, that sounds simple, but that nope. was not simple in Indonesia. So, <laughs> nope. Um, so, yeah, I would say actually the regulation was the biggest challenge in Indonesia at the time. Absolutely. All right. Now let's take our first break. And now let's talk about when we come back, how did all of this as a precursor end up as go time? And, you know, how did this happen? And what did you guys build over the past few months and years that put us in this position where we're going to literally say it's go time? Well, let's talk about that more after the break. And we're back in the break. We are still with Nate and Abit. Again, sorry, Mama Clark, if you are mad at me. Uh, I, I called your son Nate, but yeah, Nathaniel Clark, if you want to be specific about it. But um, I, I want to I want to start with uh, um, the, the decision. So again, time, South Africa was the blueprint. We've done it a couple more countries. But Nate, I, I'll just to jump off of you real quick. What was the trigger point in doing time here in the Philippines and why the Philippines? Because there's so many other countries. What were the macro environments like that, that, uh, that, uh, that allowed us to be a very lucrative market to do this, to, again, to, to implement the blueprint that you guys have done? And we're, we did kind of a desktop research, right? We, Kind of had three filters. Uh, the first one was more the demographics. Because building a digital bank is kind of about as expensive, whether you do it for a small country or a big country, you might as well do it for a big population. So right. if you're looking for a large underserved population, 
Um, so obviously Philippines is that in spades, you know, with good digital adoption. Uh, the second thing is touching on that regulation. So you know, are you even open to the BSP? Yeah. There are you, you open to KYC, EKYC, cloud banking, et cetera? So BSP is very, very progressive. Right. Um, and then the last one, most importantly, are there, because our model is very predicated on uh, retail distribution, yeah. is there consolidated national retail footprint? So are there big players that can touch the entire country? Because there's some, for example, you know, a lot of people ask us, why wouldn't the natural next step be other African countries? The challenge outside of South Africa is if you go to uh, you know, Mozambique or Botswana, is it's a very um, fragmented retail space. You don't have one retailer who has 500 stores. You basically have like 10, five more franchise. So that was... Um, so that consolidated retail, but but really, the trigger point is actually all about the partner. Uh, that's the most important. <laughs> all right, now let's talk about the partner here. Okay, then let's uh, we'll, uh, switch it to Abbott, because again, Abbott, I just want to zoom in about the Philippines, because at the end of the day, um, Nate was right. You know, that it has to be in the Goldilocks zone, right? It's not too hot, not too cold just right, right right and in that goldilocks zone there needs to be a lot of components so again nate mentioned it that it's not a, tr- a lot of these factors but the mega retailers and there's a ton of them here obviously the robinson's group uh the the is, is, is one one of them but what's special in the philippines for a digital bank to thrive okay uh let me answer that by going back first and talking about an evolution okay on, uh I'm sure you remember a time, or or siguro buhay ka na nun, you know, when right. when there was only one significant telco in the country. Yep. And uh, what we most Filipinos were hard up to communicate. Yep. But when when we introduced new telcos, oh, they found out that oh, we're now meeting our need to communicate. So people started buying cell phones, blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. The next step was Filipinos started realizing that hey, I I love text. I love to communicate. I can do voice. Then they learned how to, oh, I, I, I can customize and say, I can do bass. I can do my ringtone. Right? right. So evolve, evolve, evolve. Right. Then, slam, they're introduced to the internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, Facebook. Filipinos, number one app. It. We yep. love Facebook. Right? The Marites of the world. We are the... <laughs> <laughs> so... So we've gotten to that point. Filipinos got to that point where they're comfortable with the technology. They're comfortable with using the internet. And they started looking for things that are more practical. No, you, you, you've, um, you've, um, answered their basic needs and are now becoming a little bit more advanced. Right. So then they discovered, Hey, I can do, uh, um, uh, financial services pala on the phone. Kudos. Kudos to the EMIs and the wallets. Right. They, they introduced that. Paved the way. Paved the way. Paved the way. I think now the introduction of digital banks comes at a very, very good time. Right. Because we're now seeing a space where Filipinos are comfortable with um, financial services mm-hmm. and then Realizing that, hey, 
there's something more than just traditional banks. Right. We're getting into that space. Hey, baka naman pwedeng i-marry ang dalawang yan. Right. I think that's that's where go time comes in. What we're trying to bring here is a means by which to elevate the game. Right. Not the um I think the reach is there already. Everybody's had a taste of financial inclusivity. <laughs> Now is is the time to bring in new services, additional services, um uh, financial services. Basic banking services that were very much in the realm of those who were privileged before, right? You know? Now democratizing that, democratize it, and I think mm. the JG Group is very, very, very well poised to do that. Look what they did for the airline industry. Yep, Cebu Pacific, right? Um, Telco before our son. Pardon? Oh yes, yes, son. I mean, mm. who doesn't know Jack and Jill Chippy? There you go. So right. that, 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 I guess that, that's that's where we are right now. That's that's why um, uh, that's what the Philippines is ready for, is looking for, and 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 we're here to bring it to them. Exactly, that's amazing. But is there anything else from a culture point of view, uh, Abet, that just makes this an easier thing? Of course, we've seen again uh, wallets paved the way, the right timing, pandemic, which is a blessing. To, to really do it. But is there anything from our psyche as a, as a people that just makes this such an enticing and exciting opportunity to now, again, democratize this to the whole world, especially now we're coming out right out of the, hopefully I'm specifically right here that, that the pandemic's almost over and there will be revenge towards travel, towards experiencing things again, towards enjoying life. As we knew it before, but what was what's that like? Is there anything that's special about us as a people? Again, t- talking to you as a full, fellow Filipino, that makes that perfect uh, to do it. Uh, you're right about Pinoys, no? uh, being very fun-loving, uh, family-oriented, very social, very social. Uh, I guess when you start making financial services or the, the activity of banking social as well by by reach, by democratizing it by getting it to the massa or by right. getting it to everybody right. it, it's easier to accept it's mm. no longer rigid and cold okay. uh, it, it's a warm uh, it's a uh, it, it, it's a warm fun thing to do right. uh, and that that i think resonates with a lot of pinoys mm-hmm. Lalo na yung, ano, the, the, the younger generation now, they weren't exposed to financial services the way we were exposed to financial services. Yeah. You had to go into a physical structure. Now it's about, ah, can I do it on my phone? Can, I, can, my, can my friend do it with me? Right. Can I just have somebody else uh, send me money this way? Can I sign up for something this way? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, can I do it in a place where I actually go to? Uh, to Nate's point about being in a supermarket, etc. Et like I said, it's really it's it's a it, it's a community it, it's a community activity. Right. So I, I and it, I think if you start approaching it that way, mm-hmm. you're, you're, there's a certain uh, affinity that's developed uh, uh, more quickly with with our yeah. fellow Filipinos. Absolutely. And again, you, you see it in just uh, the fabric, the social fabric of who we are. We're a consumer 
culture, right? We like to consume, right? And then we like to enjoy life and whatnot. It's very, very Latam. And I don't know if you get, it's very similar to the South, South American culture, uh, more, more so than the Southeast Asian, which is, again, makes us, we're, we're like the Mexicans of, <laughs> Mexicans of, of Southeast Asia. Again, now, no, no, no uh, insults intended here. But I want to understand. So the fundamentals are there. But Nate, I'll just go back to you real quick. This for sure wasn't as easy as you thought. There are going to be some, Curveballs thrown at you, left hooks. You didn't see a stiff jab that you that that uh, that you came that came along the way that became challenges. What were those challenges that did that this uh, market present to you this time? Because you've seen iterations of this several times across multiple uh, countries, but in the Philippines, what were the biggest challenges you had to overcome? Yeah, I, I think. Listen, we've last week we onboarded our first customers, employees only, and we probably. Thirty-five customers now, so go. I think we're kind of we've yet to reach our big challenges so far. But if I were to kind of look into the future and what Avit and I discuss, we're actually discussing it today. Okay. Is um, is onboarding? So okay, this is what all, a lot of the digital banks struggling with right. onboarding in KYC. Yep. So we had the luxury in South Africa of a national biometric database. Mm. Um, now. The really exciting news is that you know the Philippines is the Philsys is kind of say a third of the way done rolling that out, mm-hmm. but it's not yet available to us. So doing the facial recognition against you guys have like eleven official IDs or even more. <laughs> <laughs> Our national ID takes six months to arrive, by the way. <laughs> so, so I think listen, we know BSP is hard at work getting us access to that digital one, but you know that is is one that we're. Um, It'll, it'll keep us up at night in the beginning, I'm sure. <laughs> Got it. And absolutely. Because that is technically your first state. If you, that KYC, that onboarding doesn't pan out well, the rest is just going to be, you know, downhill. I mean, it's going to be an uphill climb from there because, again, that's your first interface with the product. And again, very, very soon, it will be on your hands when they launch very soon. But again, um, in terms of the process, though, of course, again, the regulators, again, who needed to be, you know, forward thinking, which we have, and kudos to the BSP for doing that, right? But I also know that there was a long queue of other digital banks that we had to follow through, right? What was that process like in making sure that, all right, let's create one for ourselves? And, you know, in, in that process, how was that? What were you guys building before you got the go signal? Um, the digital banks was is a new category, right, Ron? Um, right. In fact, the, the BSP limited the license to six, uh, six and, and uh, gave a moratorium for the next three years. Uh, by creating a new category, number one, uh, digi- uh, BSP was signaling that hey, that there needs to be a change. Uh, we hear you. We need to get to the rest of the Philippines. We need to get to the rest of the Pinoy's out there yes. been digitally uh, and financially excluded. Okay. Okay. Now, it's not as easy as it sounds, though. No, you can't just snap your fingers and say, hey, we're launching a new category. The BSP said, boom. Now, um, like any other uh, existing uh, organization, right. there, there's some legacy already built in. right? So one of the challenges really was 
hey, while we wanted to start in the, uh, yeah, we applied for the license, uh, we're going through the motions. Um, there were, uh, there were, uh, uh, how do I put it, uh, bits and pieces of the journey that were not not uh, aligned. No, Got it. And we were finding that out as as we as we uh, uh, took, as we took the steps. So it was it was as much a learning journey for us as it was for the for the regulator. No, uh, there would be uh, constant back and forth that we would say, "Hey, the regulation that is now that you have for uh, traditional banks is written this way." Because it is written this way, we can't apply it to a digital bank because we don't have this yet. Oh, and then the regulator says, "You know what? You're right." So let's let's uh, let's talk to the other entities that are um, that are overseeing that, so that we could uh, 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 take the application a little uh, a little step further. So yeah, they they set up the they set up the new category, but the the things beneath it that that would make it move were not yet uh, there. I say ready. Got it. But that's what made the journey fun too, because we were learning at the same time that the regulators were le- learning. We were learning at the same time that the other uh, governing entities uh, uh, were learning. So, right. The other thing you talked about timing earlier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We were very, in hindsight, very fortunate because we only, I think we, we made contact with each other. This is kind of a time group and go, there you go. In kind of, you know, middle of third quarter 2020. Mm. And it was right when the license framework was announced, so right after. Wow. And what happened was we were looking to go to the Philippines, we were looking for conglomerate with a retailer. Right. Little did we know that Lance had decided he wanted to build a digital bank, had already recruited Jojo, who then recruited Abed. <laughs> so, and and they were looking for someone who has done digital banking. They probably didn't even know that there was one that didn't with retailers specifically. So we kind of met. Right. And then literally in three months later, we submitted the application. And at when the licenses were process started, they didn't say they were going to cap them and have a <laughs> time limit. But then it flooded in. So wow. the fact that we, you know, the Congress were ready and, and we were ready, didn't know each other yet, but then came together and you know, four months later we submitted. It was very, very fortunate. <laughs> yeah. We got ours in August and the, the, the moratorium was in October. Right? Yeah, yeah. So That's amazing. And then again, that, that just, just, that wouldn't happen if you didn't come prepared. Yeah. Right? Because everybody can try to attempt to do that. Hey, let's look for a conglomerate in the Philippines and oh let's look for some dude in some random part of the world that has done it you guys were able to pull this off quickly and accurately because you've done it before and all the again the Goldilocks zone was 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 right and of course the biggest determinant of all which is timing all right now let's take our last break and when we come back let's now discuss further how they were able to build go time because it's, it can't just be Nate and Abbott. You need to create a superstar team. So if Lance was already building that prior, I want to see who else are in the Avengers. All right. Well, let's talk about that more after the break. And we're back from the break. We're still with Abbott and Nate, who again told us how we were able to now fully create go time again, doubling down on timing and the their prior expertise. But again, this won't happen with just the two of you. 
So as as Nate said, Lance and uh, I mean Lance was already uh, gung ho in making sure that he gets his digital bank, and he was recreating. He had JoJo, now he had Abbott, but this will still not happen with just the two of you, and then some. Let's name how did how, let's let's talk about how you guys built the team from both sides of the country or both sides of the, the companies that you guys merged together that allowed this to happen because again this wasn't by accident. Who are the Avengers? And if uh, Lance is uh, Nick Fury, who did he recruit then? Okay, let's start with you, Abbott. Uh, so. Yeah, I, I think Nate already told the story. You know, it started out with Jojo. Uh, yep. and in fact, that's a funny story with me because I was Captain uh, America, oh, the first Avenger. There you go. Yes, yes. Jojo was the first Avenger, and then there you go. followed after Captain America. It was Tony Stark, right? Right, uh, and that's you. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess I was Tony Stark. <laughs> no, but but uh, <laughs> I, 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 let me talk about the Philippine side because Nate Nate was also the. Uh, 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 it wasn't just Lance, no. There, there was there was a time side too. But um, going back to Jojo, it was uh, Jojo uh, who started it all for for me. In fact, I was ready to join another company. Oh, uh, b- before this, and it it was Christmas. In fact, okay. Christmas of twenty nineteen, when I was uh, talking to Lance, and uh, Lance was about to leave for his uh, vacation. Yep. Uh, that was a that was a what a, a 30 45 minute talk and we clicked and uh, nice. rest is history. So I was uh, I guess I was uh, part of the Avengers because immediately after that I called Joe Joe jo, I'm in. I want wow. this. I want to do this. <laughs> That's so, exactly what Nick Fury did in the movie. Talk yeah, to yeah. <laughs> <laughs> walked into Tony Stark's house after a few minutes. Okay, I'm in. I guess I'm an Avenger. But who yeah. else after that? Who else joined in? Because again, shout out. I know a few. My good yeah. friend Raymond Villanueva, from yeah. formerly from Maya, again, uh-huh. amazing job. He may pay Maya wouldn't be uh, where it is now if he didn't get them there. Yes. Who else? Who are the other Avengers? Yeah. So, so um, you you uh, you hit the nail on the head there, Ron. Um, part of um, what I was uh, tasked to do was yeah. actually build a commercial team, right? Mm. And I had to take with me. Uh, a bunch. I had to look for guys with with talent, with vision, with with those who wanted to build something on their own. And right. you you brought Raymond front and center. There so Raymond now heads up the the marketing team, and uh, and he's bringing uh, with him a lot of experience from that side of the world or right. from that side of the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of learnings, a lot of um, how do you say this? Uh, shortcomings. Mm-hmm. That we know when when we're going to do our build our own brand, or we're gonna avoid those mistakes. Right. Okay. When when you talk about a customer journey for us, or what we call the commercial scene, it starts off with pre-selling, right? That's Raymond's job. Right. The next part of it is actually touch, touching the customer front and center, and that's selling. Mm-hmm. Really talking about the product, um, convincing them what it is, and and. Uh, uh, I, I, uh, I, uh, we brought in um, Elan Reyes. Wow. Um, Elan comes with the background of Telco Globe okay. and moving to uh, Uredu, uh, uh, which is a, a mobile money in Myanmar. 
And wow. then uh, he also comes with experience from uh, True Money in, in Thailand. Right, in and Thailand. then came back to the Philippines, had a chat with Ilan. Hey, Ilan, uh, is this what you want to do? Mm. Oh, so uh, apparently we, we all have the same wanting and, and desire. Okay. The third part of that, if you want to call it my three musketeers. Or, there we go. <laughs> shying away from the Avengers team okay, here. Okay, okay. Uh, is a guy is a guy named Lion Gakan. Lion Gakan. Lion Lion heads up our customer experience uh, customer experience. Team. CX. So Lion is is uh, uh, brings with him experience from um, Kashalo and Oriente. Got it. Okay. So, but specifically in the CX uh, field, and one of the biggest uh, um, differentiators that GoTime will, will bring to the market is really about customer experience and yeah. human service. Right. Uh, Lion had this as a vision as well. Mm. And it seems that his vision and our thinking clicked. That's perfect. And uh, those are three of the Avengers. Um, uh, <laughs> I don't want to call them minor Avengers. <laughs> there you go. But, no, they uh, are. They're, they're Hawkeye, the, the Hulk, and... Well, uh, Doctor Strange. There you go. <laughs> That's amazing. But again, um, this wouldn't happen if, without uh, Nate's side here. Yes. Ooh, dude, yes. The other of the West Coast Avengers. <laughs> what? Well, there was such a thing, by the way. There back back in the back 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 then. There was a West Coast Avengers. Who 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 uh, who comprised of that uh, unit? Yeah, I think actually, well, I mean, we still haven't mentioned um, kind of Lance's counterpart on the yeah. on the time side is is, is Kunrad, Kun Yonker. So he's, Got it. He's the group CEO. He's now become the CEO of South Africa. So he's he was he was the main main one closing the deal with Lance. Um, then execution wise, it's kind of a hit squad. All five are kind of still in the business. So our CTO Chris, okay. um, head of projects and strategy, Aaron, um, head of program management, who led the bank build in South Africa, John. And then head of data analytics, uh, JC. So we wow. kind of had a bit of a, a hit squad. But you know, in hindsight, overall, we only had five or six. There was Joe, Sam, and JK yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe seven from the time side dedicated. Mm-hmm. Abit and Jojo from JG. But the rest we actually built from scratch. And, wow. and Abit and I and Jojo, we wanted to create um, a team that really understood the local market um, and had its own culture as well. So you kind of we believe that you know even though it's been successful in South Africa, you have to actually have the majority of the people actually um, be from the market, and you know maybe just sharing some learnings or how we built the team principle wise, maybe less mm-hmm. individuals. Is you earlier you talked about grit, mm-hmm. um, and that's actually something that we really optimize for. And actually, um, one of your previous guests, uh, Er's wife, Christine, right. Uh, she, she actually parachuted in, became with her experience at Grossari, was our head of HR. Wow. Um, so she helped kind of pick the team, find the team. And really right. what we, it was, it was probably half my job last year, a lot of Abbott's job. Okay. We were very, call it defensive on the first 50. So we interviewed every role, no matter how junior. Um, and what we were optimizing for were people with grit, I would say. Yeah. Um, and and I think, you know, we had this saying, even in our values, kind of, we, we welcome people with um, 
scars and unfinished business. That's it. Um, and I want to understand because grit is something that I believe you cannot teach. It's an it, right? And the only time you know you actually have grit is when you've actually be put, you've been put under pressure. Because you can't say, hey, I have grit, but what, what, what pressure have you gone through, right? It's just like creating a diamond. How do you find the right people that have grit? Is there something in how you quantify it? Is it uh, it's just you know, something abstract? How do you know it's the right person with the right grit? Because it's right. You get some person in the first 50, per se, no matter, say, 48, and you have two that are not, that are crybabies. Yeah. You know how they how babies are when they start crying everybody else around them starts crying yeah. right and then you know the last thing you know is you have a messed up culture how do you define and uh find the right people that have grit upon recruitment so i mean obviously imperfect but i yep. think you know one of the there's an entrepreneur who's on our board roger who i look up to and one of his quotes is and it's because it goes back to being defensive right so what we would do is we would have at least five or six people interview everyone. Um, the other thing that we would look to from a filtering perspective is, you know, someone who's been through a tough business period. So PayMy obviously is a big success, you get a big success, but all of those businesses had really tough times, right? Yep. So we looked for people who've been there before. The other thing that we look for specifically is we look for people who were almost qualified to the job we're going to give them. And this is because if you get someone who's been in that role for a long time, and this is obviously this will be biased against some, right? They're they're complacent. They don't they're not used to getting their hands dirty. When you're in a startup, you need to do the work. You can't just you know marshal people around. Right. Um, but kind of getting back to that quote, it's kind of the cost of bringing in someone who you shouldn't have far outweighs the cost of bringing someone of missing out on someone who you should have brought in. So if there's even a bit of a doubt, we would just say, sorry, you know, we're going to pass. Now, we probably missed out on a few good people, but, you know, the philosophy being rather be sensitive on that side. Because you're to your point, kind of a bad apple. And that's true. Because, again, I've, I've experienced that myself. You know, you have nine amazing people. And all of a sudden, you know, it's like you have a, it's not like they're, they're, they're bad, but you know when you have someone in the team that says has grit but acts otherwise that person can inject that all of a sudden you know what it's so hard right this job is so hard all of a sudden that that gung-ho mindset that that the nine other people have they'll 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 start having cracks and all it takes is one person who doesn't really have grit to start crying <laughs> uh, and then uh, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking from real painful experience yeah, here right? like it is bro like it is like man because you, you, some you know what yeah. what sucks in that that point of view because it will then be you know um something that you're gonna have to you can't be defensive at that point yeah you can't play the defensive game because you have to fight fire with fire. And somehow the, 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 the thing that will suck there the most is that those people that you thought had grit got affected. Those people that you know who had it was, was also you know, turned. 
and like oh man <laughs> you know Ron, um one of the questions that i asked personally when we were doing all of these interviews and i think you can relate it to grit was at the end of the day we're a startup right so Yes, we may be backed by a large conglomerate, a huge uh, um, international digital bank here. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, we're a startup, and uh, when you come in, uh, when you come into this, are you ready to become a jack of all trades? Right, right. They're not coming from. They're they're coming from positions where oh, they had teams to delegate to. They had people to do this for them for that. Nope. Somebody who said, no, I want to do this myself and build it from scratch. And then uh, digging into how he's going to do it and, and him talking about how he did it from his previous lives. Right. That, that, was, that was some signal to me, some, signal, some measure that said, hey, we want this, we want this um, person on board. Yeah, I'll just share one question, uh, Nan. If someone is an applicant uh, uh, that I always have, because first everybody will say that, hey, I thrive under pressure. I'm great at stress. Stress is what I, I, I adopted. I forgot where I got this. So sorry if I'm not going to be able to quote you. But I asked this question to find out grit or any potential red flag. Because there's two things I asked. Like I asked him, if I potentially or hypothetically ask your and call your last employer, the one thing that the, the, the great thing about you or what the most commendable thing about you, what would they tell? You? Of course, they're going to say, yeah, I'm the greatest. I'm the heart of the team. Okay, go flex. And then I flip it right away. What if I call that person again and ask them the one thing that irritated them most about you? What would it be? And my God, that question is the most telling. So all of a sudden, the, the applicant comes in with a best foot forward, all of a sudden, now they have to dig deep and like, oh my God, I, I need to expose myself. And again, expose past dirt. And sometimes that's what saves me from a good hire, from a bad hire. And then I, I couple it out. Okay, I'm sorry. And now I'm revealing my own playbook. <laughs> Typically, when you, you hire someone, right? They, the, the last question would be, why should we hire you? Of course, the most beautiful words come out. The, the most selling one that always shows grit. I asked them, why should we not hire you? Because if you answer that humbly, yes. again, it, there's no right or wrong answer, but it's very telling. If someone has grit, someone has humility, it's someone who's not going to cause trouble, answer that, answers that in the most human way possible. Sorry, I just really revealed my questions. Now I have to come up with new ones. Oh, that's good. We're, we're taking notes here. Taking All right. <laughs> uh, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's just, it's a curveball of our curveball. It's a breaking ball in baseball. It's it just, it, 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 I always get an amazing response after that. Sorry, but I, I'll move on to our next thing. What's also unique here in you guys is your co CEOs, mm-hmm. right? I want to understand the dynamics from both your point of views. How does this thing work? Because you know how it is in in a typical startup's point of view, the buck stops with you as a CEO. And again, uh, a traditional startup founder CEO, the job is to make sure you have enough resources, you hire the right people on the boat, remove any obstacles that are in your front, and make sure that the vision is set. But when you have two co-CEOs, how do you guys play around with that dynamic? 
Yeah, I think, listen, I think it could go horribly wrong. Right. If you have the wrong people, you know, if you don't, I think, you know, Abit and I, from the beginning, I think have had a just relaxed, easy, open relationship. And the other thing that um, the dynamic, if, if I just, in our model is also unique, right? We're a, a foreign company. We've done this in South Africa, and mm. Indonesia, Namibia, but the Philippines is totally different. So I would actually be, you know, I'm so much more comfortable, you know, having Abit with decades of experience in the market. Um, so that's number one. The second thing is, I think we also naturally complement each other as far as strengths. You know, mm. you know I'm more on the product tech strategy background, Abit sales, distribution, service. Right. So I think, and also, you know, his knowledge in industry networks. Um, what I failed to mention in the whole recruiting the team, I mean, we never would have been able to recruit the team of caliber we did without Abit and JoJo's brand, right? Right. Who's who's Nate Clark? You know who's who are these time guys? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think in, in regulated relationships, understanding the local. So I think I mean, it's a relief for me. <laughs> That's amazing. I don't, I don't know about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'll be the first to admit. Uh, uh, like I said earlier on, right? I never in my wildest dreams thought that I would be a a, a banker. Uh, my my forte was I, I found out early on was really relate building relationships with people, right. uh, etc. Et uh, and uh, I guess Nate was right to say, no, uh, we have that that complement. We we're each other's check and balance. Uh, nice. He's he, he, yes, he's he's more on the on the tech side, the, the finance side. Mm-hmm. I'm more on the hey, how do we do it on ground? How do we execute, uh, uh, etc. He's the network into the time world. Maybe I'm right. what you might call a network into the into the uh, JG world. Not, Not to say that I, I, I'm really uh, neck deep in it, right? But mm. the other thing is, you're right. This is a unique uh, unique proposition, right? Uh, right. I, I guess among all the digital banks or banks for that matter, we're the mm. first to have uh, to run to run this as as co CEOs. Mm. Yeah. Um, I, I read somewhere. Um, the, the, the what it also does for the CEO is that it des one it de-stresses, and then it allows us uh, more time to focus on what what we might call um, our our, uh, our our spheres, right, or or our uh, areas of expertise. Mm-hmm. So we're we're not missing out. Um, and, um, and and running it from hey, I, I'm comfortable here, but I'm happy that Nate is here because he does this for me. And I, I guess the, the, the reverse is true. That's amazing. So, honestly, uh, why didn't this come about earlier? <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. But I want to understand first the relationship from the people upstream. Hmm. Because again, you guys can do amazing jobs, but you also need to fall into the whole time ecosystem and also the whole JG ecosystem. Talk talk to us about you know what what that relationship is with Lance and your counterparts in time. How how does this thing work? Because without their support, everything that's also being done in the ground up, it's gonna be very, very difficult to execute. Considering that sometimes one of the biggest things that would bog down a startup is bureaucracy and lack of support. And without the proper, you know, gusto to navigate through that, 
things will just fall flat, right? You know, we'll be we'll be drowning in the endless stream of bureaucracy and decks somewhere and planning everywhere. But this you're you're gonna be operating at startup speed, and you need that support from upstream. How do you guys get that done? I think I mean one comment is that I think both Lance on the on the Bill Conway side and Jason mm-hmm. side and Kun on the time side are I guess very empowering by nature. Yeah. Um, you know, they very much give us the the rope to execute, right? Um, you know, we're it's more of a check-in uh opposed to call it actively manage. Mm. Um, obviously, if that's you know me and Abba don't perform, maybe that'll change. <laughs> but uh, so so far so good. So I think you know we're very fortunate. I think also on the on the JG side, Abba can comment more. I think it was it's quite amazing how Lance and JG has has set this up. Right, they could have kept it as what they call more of an operating unit and within the conglomerate. Um, I mean, they're still a majority shareholder. They're actually right. giving us a space with our own board, autonomous, um, and to leverage the ecosystem, you know, with Davi and, and Robinson's Bank and Robinson's Retail, Robinson's Land, right. um, but actually giving us the autonomy to get on with it. And, and as you say, like, for example, we don't have to, you know, you know, Lance is very deliberate. You're not going to use our financial systems or our HR systems, et cetera. You need to go fast. So you, you, you yeah. do your own thing. <laughs> right. We, we are, um, the, the the way the ownership is structured is forty uh, percent time sixty percent JG. That sixty percent is actually split into three BUs or business units. Uh, okay. That's twenty uh, percent uh, Robinson's Retail, twenty percent right. uh, Robinson's Bank, and twenty percent RLC. The heads yeah. of those, huh? Robina Gokongwepe, Boy Sarte, and uh, Frederick Go, have been so generous yeah. of their time of, of, um, of their mentorship. Uh, opening us up into their ecosystem so that we could leverage uh, yeah. um, leverage the ecosystem. Mm-hmm. I guess as a startup, we're very lucky uh, that way. But don't get me wrong, Ron. Eh? There's, it's not all uh, lollipops and roses. Of course. They, they are, at the end of the day, these BUs built their own businesses and um, uh, are very conscious of how it's run. Exactly. So there is pushback. But at the end of the day, they've opened up and said, hey, guys, you're part of the family. So, yeah. That's amazing. But last question before we ask, what's in store for the masses when you go go time very soon? I want to understand just the top of mind. What are the top things you've learned being exposed to these type, these moguls, these bright minds that you've said? The Lances, the Rubinas of the world, and their counterparts, right? Uh, just walk me through because that type of wisdom, having access to that type of, you know, um, thinking, can just be probably life changing. Is there any type of advice uh, that they, you've gotten from them that you carry on through this hustle, especially as you launch Go Time? I wouldn't say on my part, explicit advice, but more, you know, I was quite in awe. As you can imagine, you know, I'm American and spent time in South Africa and, and then I'm all of a sudden on these meetings with Lance and Urbina and I was quite, and you know, in my head, it's like really big 
billionaire conglomerate owners, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of have them on a pedestal. But then you get into a meeting with them, and Rabina kind of wants to know about the till recon process, till, you know, till operator fraud, and very detailed and very operational. Wow. And, and to me, it's like, it's such a lesson, right? So no matter how successful you are in business, how wealthy you are, if you want to continue that success, it's, it's humility, right? It's like, you know, what we've, what I've been in awe of on the Gokongwe family is that they're all operators, even though obviously individually they don't need to be anymore, right? So they're still hustling. They're still yep. in the detail, close to the customers, close to the business. So that, I mean, that's just the big, big learning for me. For me, uh, um, I can safely say I'm not the expert. Right. Uh, there, there's all uh, when you start the, to to um to Nate's point. Huh? I thought I had experience. I thought I had uh, I had some expertise or something that I could really uh, really say was was my own. But mm-hmm. you know when you start talking to a Lance or Rubina or even Kun, no, mm-hmm. uh, the breadth and depth of what they look at, oh, it, it's amazing. Yeah. But despite that, despite that, uh, they're grounded. You, uh, I, uh, I can't believe how in touch they are uh, on the ground. To, right. to, uh, to Nate's point, Robina still talks about cashiers. She's yep. so far, uh, far um, uh, distanced already from, from cashiers, but she talks about cashiers. And what cashiers, how cashiers think, how cashiers uh, move. Mm. No? Uh, Lance talks about uh, um, customers in, in uh, Cebu Pacific. Right. And gosh, for, for, uh, for these captains of industry to be that in touch, uh, again, it's, it's humbling. It's a, it's a learning experience for me. That's uh, amazing. Yeah. And again, just, just good, that's a testament to also their journey. Because I think the way they were brought up, yeah. was not just like, hey, okay, I'm putting you in a pedestal, be the child of owner yeah. from day one. I think they, again, from what I've read, hopefully Lance, Miss Lysa, Miss Rubina, you say yes na, I've been knocking on your doors forever. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right? But um, they were taught to literally contribute in the hardwares, in the, in the cashiers and whatnot. And that's why they know because it's second nature to them. They've lived that life before and describe and earn their keep to where they are now. All right. Now, before I let you go, what are the features? We're now talking about the near future here. What is going to be up next? Because again, we just got the go signal for go time. What's up next? And what should people look out for when go time gets the green light to be in everybody's phone? This is what I handed over to the salesman. Okay, salesman, boodle time. All right. So, I kept I kept uh, hinting already, Ron, earlier on mm. that we're elevating the game. There you go. And uh, uh, bringing out uh, uh, launching a bank that's going to be uh, at, uh, easier, you know, be- uh, offer better service. Right. So what's in store when, when we when we launch? Um, one of our uh, uh, thrusts here is about um, uh, I, 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 again I hinted it earlier. No? Uh, is service? Yep. Um, we are digital. We're expected to be fast. We're expected to be quick. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but then we found out early on in our research that Filipinos again, are very uh, gusto nila yung handholding, yeah. gusto nila yung VIP. makaharap, gusto nila yung mm-hmm. may kausap, di ba? Um, so we're launching a, uh, a bank with a promise of uh, uh, being human. In right. fact, um, we call it our one, two, three, go human promise. Uh, it's our, uh, we're a digital bank with a physical or digital approach. Mm. Uh, Nate talked about our kiosks being out there. Oh, they're, they're cold machines. They're, you, you might think they're cold machines. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're robots. They're automatons. But uh, the, the fact that we're launching with ambassadors beside them, mm-hmm. ambassadors that can help talk you through it, uh, ambassadors that you can ask about, um, hey, I'm, I'm, I don't know exactly how to do this. What's your advice? Uh, uh, how, uh, what's the next step? Um, that's the kind of human promise that that we're uh, we're um, we're uh, uh, launching out there. Um, that human promise also extends to uh, our cashiers. Um, Nate was also earlier talking about our ability to uh, deposit and withdraw funds uh, over the counter at any Robinson supermarket or any Robinson's department store, or the drugstore, or handyman, or... Uh, oh my uh, God. So again, uh, it's no longer uh, somebody lining up at the ATM and saying, Mamang guard, tulungan mo naman ako. Hindi ko na right. eh. It's about going up to that cashier and telling the cashier, hey, I, wanna, uh, can I, I, I want to withdraw from my, from my GoTime account. Go through the quick process and oh my God. getting the money from the cashier. Right? The reverse is true when you deposit. Still, that's that amazing. Still, just, that promise. Just having that access everywhere, right? Yep, yep, we'll yep, just, yep. Uh, that again is going to be monumental because at the end of the day, like what I said, it, it has to be something tangible, right? Yep. Yes, the access on the app and whatnot this is going to be amazing but there's still a big chunk of our populace that is still very experience driven in order for it to work and again um i've seen this happen i come from i come from the bottom that's where i come from right and i've seen how people operate at that level and Mm -hmm. if you guys are going and building the ecosystem for that market with a ready infrastructure that you can tap I can just imagine how go time will just be all over the whole Philippines. So excited for that very much. And again, congratulations and advance before we do that. But again, invite people over if they want to stay tuned. Since we already popped the cherry here, where should they, people look out for and how? what's the timeline of when go time will be available for everybody else here in the Philippines? First of all, Check out www.gotime.com.ph. Okay. Sign up for early access. Okay. Doing uh, that now? Mm-hmm. Yep. Anytime now. <laughs> I'm expecting your name in, in that list, Ron. <laughs> Give me five minutes. Let me just record. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, that's a teaser of, of um, what's in store. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, we're, we're, uh, from that early access, We'll, we're now moving into what 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 we what we might call a uh, soft launch phase. Mm-hmm. So those who signed up for early access expect us to 
call you, expect expect us to reach out and tell you guys, hey, you, thank you for signing up for early access. Um, download the app or uh, um, and, and create your account. And this is what we have in store for you. Okay, okay. I'm just filling it up now. Next couple of months, everyone, everyone. Yeah, <laughs> next couple. Yeah, yeah. To me, it's point. <laughs> I'm sorry everyone but I'm getting first dibs before I even <laughs> end this episode I just submitted my early access your subscription has been successful <laughs> I bet you guys but again guys thank you so much but before I let you go follow us on whatever podcast app you're listening to whether it's Spotify Apple Podcast or any type of podcast and if you see a 5 star rating there give us a rating let us know what you guys really think of this podcast and also if you did say some jargon don't worry it's gonna be in the show notes on hustleshare.com and again if you want to be part of our community it's gonna be Hustle Share community on Facebook. And again, for our 200th episode, Nate and Albert, thank you so much. Thanks, Ron. Thank you. All right. And I'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace.